no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time, play. One more time, Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. We are Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we will break down the 2021 Reese's Senior Bowl and much more. Hey, Dub, man. How you doing there, bro? Doing good, man. How are you? Oh, you know, well, I've been shuffling snow all morning over here, so that's how I've been doing. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Chicago. (laughs) Man, I was just telling a partner yesterday, uh, A-Dub, I said, man, I got to stop being cheap and I got to get myself one of those snowblowers, man. I, um, every winter when we've been kind of having these mild winters, I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't really need it. I can just shovel when I need to. But man, we've been getting hit like the last week and a half. So I'm like, man, I need to get one. Yeah, man. When we get hit sometimes, we get hit hard. Man, I'm looking at all this damn snow. I'm like, man, my back is yelling at me right now. (laughs) (laughs) The age kick in when you got to shovel snow. (laughs) Man, I feel every bit of them 40, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I agree, brother. I agree. Oh, man. Well, dude, let's get into it, man. So, uh... We saw this week that the Bears made some changes to that uh, coaching staff. So we made some hires. Bill McGovern, he's the new inside linebackers coach. Mm -hmm. And we have Bill Shuey, who is now the outside linebackers coach. And then Chris Rumpf is now the defensive line coach. Did you have any thoughts there on, on some of these moves? It was good to see uh, Shuey get promoted to move up within the organization. I thought that was nice to see him go from one being the assistant linebacker coach to now the outside linebacker coach. So I thought that was cool. So it was good to see that growth. Bill, it was good to see him get hired. You know, Bill comes with a lot of experience too, like 36 years, seasons of experience. A lot of it was in college, but he did have some good years in the NFL as outside linebacker coach in Philadelphia. So I thought that was pretty cool to see him there. And then Chris was uh, another one. I thought that was a good hire as well. Chris had some experience of being on a defensive line, well, pretty much a linebacker coach in the past, and uh, have a little bit of experience in 2018, 2019. So, uh, yeah, I thought these were some good hires here, man. Yeah, I will say this. With Shuey replacing Ted Montecino, I thought for that one, it just looked like it was one of those moves of uh, familiarity with Nagy because when you look at his his coaching background, he goes way back. I mean, because he began his coaching career with the Eagles. Yeah. I do like the fact that they did promote from within there. So that was mm-hmm. a, a good move there. So obviously you rewarded a guy that's been around. I agree with your take on McGovern because when you look at a guy like that, he has a ton of coaching experience while there's yeah. college or in the pros. But mm-hmm. he worked with Luke Keekley in, in college. And I thought that that was really good because that Luke Keekley was a hell of a damn player when he was in the league. That kind of shows you a little bit of maybe about his coaching chops that he's somebody that maybe can work with these linebackers and get them where they need to get to. Absolutely. And, it, and it's good to also get some outside perspectives, right? I think you're right. We want to co- bring in within, right? Hire within, but also get some outside guys. And I thought with him, 
coming from the outside, he can bring some different dynamics to this team. Also, too, one thing for our listeners to kind of keep in mind, McGovern, his final year when he was at Boston College, he worked with Sean Desai, our new defensive coordinator. I think that's something that we should best definitely be kind of keeping our eyes on. So they do have that, you know, previous relationship working together. Could probably create some early chemistry, which is good. Yep. In regards to Chris Rumpf, I did like this hire a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. When you look at this guy's background, dude, and I'm not going to take anything against the fact that he was uh, with the Texans last year. Right. I look at the fact that he spent a lot of time at major college programs and he's worked with some of the best schools in the country. I mean, you look at that, he spent time with Tennessee. He spent time with Florida, Texas, and not, not to mention the time that he spent in Alabama. Yes, that's huge. That, to me, I said, that's a guy that's got a lot of experience, and he played. And we know how these players are in, in the NFL and a lot of these leagues. They really like working for guys that actually played the game themselves. I think that hire of Chris, I think that was one that I think would be a really, really, really good move for us. I'm looking forward to seeing um, what he brings to the table. A lot to see from this team with these new hires. And one thing I'll tell you with these guys, they have good players to work with. And so I hope they come with a, a good scheme. And I hope the sides cooking up some things from that Fangio era. And I hope that they can all bring it together. But I like the fact that the shy and McGovern have had that working relationship in the past. So that should help things as they try to gel and, and get up to, up to speed. One other thing I wanted to touch on with you before we get into the nuts and bolts of the episode. We had a big trade last night, man. Your boy, Jared Goff, gets traded for uh, Matt Stafford. What were your thoughts there on that move, man? I think from first sight, it was like, wow, very interesting (laughs) move by the (laughs) (laughs) lines. You know, I I like Stafford, though. But the thing is, he is getting older, right? He's 32 years old. And uh, it looks like the uh, Lions want to get younger with uh, Goff. And we know Goff actually um, helped lead the team to the Super Bowl, with the Rams to the Super Bowl at that time for a few years back. Interesting move for them. I know golf has a lot of money left on that contract, right? Four years, I believe, left on that contract, $106 million. And I know, of course, Stafford has about a couple years left at $43 million. So, um, But they also get some good draft picks, it looks like, on uh, the Lions. They get a first-round pick in 2022, think a third-round pick in 2021, and then also uh, another pick in 2022, first-round pick. And I'm sorry, 2023, you get another first-round pick. So that's cool for them. So they got a lot for for him, for uh, for Stafford in that trade. My immediate thought when I saw this trade, as I said that with Deshaun Watson officially requesting the trade, the price to acquire him is now going through the roof. So yes. <laughs> when basically you're getting two first-round picks and a third-round pick for Matt Stafford, it's probably going to take five or six first-rounders to get Deshaun Watson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That, that stock has gone up for him. So, whew. Yeah. And there was also some rumors that kind of made me uncomfortable when I heard that the Bears were involved in some of those trade talks with the Lions for Stafford. And I, I think Stafford's a, a solid quarterback. Me too. I just didn't want him um, on, on our team. Yeah, but I know for our team, and this is why I went 50-50 with it as well, because I know we need a quarterback that's going to try to help us win now. We don't have time to look two years down, three years down the road with the defense that we have. That's what we all talk, always talk about. So you need a quarterback who's going to come in and make an impact right away if you have these guys on the defensive end, on the defensive side of the table. So I didn't think us getting Matt Stafford would have been a bad idea unless we can get better, of course, <laughs> someone better. But that's what we left with. Hey, you know, but looks like he landed where the Lions felt will probably work for them. Well, I'll just say this. Um, the Rams, by making this move, 
they have no first round draft picks through at least the 2024 season. So as you right. mentioned, they gave up two for uh, two first rounders. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I will say that I do give the Rams credit for is that in this league, especially at today's time, when you believe that you're like one player away and, and especially at the most important position on the field, right? you, you got to do whatever it takes to get yourself out of that situation, which is why I've said time and time again, we have to go all in to get Deshaun Watson because when you have that defense that we have here and you have some playmakers on that offensive side of the ball, we are just the quarterback and a few other tweaks to this roster away from being a really solid team. When I look at the Rams, I say y'all were dumb as fuck for even giving Jared Goff that kind of contract in the first place. I agree. <laughs> because at that time, they thought that he was the guy. And they were wrong. Very so wrong. They basically made a bad bet, but the Lions built them out because they were able to basically find a sucker, which the Jaguars found with Ryan Pace when we took uh, your boy Foles off of their <laughs> books. <you> know? Right. <laughs> Keep going. You know what? I'm just going to say something real quick. That was like, remember when we was in school and you used to make uh, trades for your lunch and stuff and you'd always find that one idiot that would trade like his Twinkie or something and you would give him some bullshit? Right. <laughs> that, that was Ryan Pace. You he, you was giving him the fucking um, the, the orange high seat that nobody liked. Right, right. <laughs> that's Nick Foles. He's the orange high seat. That's, that's the worst shit ever. But anyway, I would just say this, man. Um, the Rams, they to me, they did a smart move because they got Matt Stafford. Now, Matt Stafford, uh, to me, has had a solid career. But yep. if you put him on that Rams team with the coach and Sean McVay and those yep. schemes that he cooks up, and with that defense that the Rams have, that defense and that team with the Rams is set to build, I mean, set to win now. And that's why they went out and got the quarterback that they got in that trade. So for me, I looked at it like the Rams, to me, won that trade. Mm-hmm. And I've never been a Jared Goff fan. I thought where Jared Goff was only good because Sean McVay knew how to mask his weaknesses because Sean McVay is a good coach. And that's why I've always been critical of Matt Nagy because Matt Nagy is not a good coach because he does not know how to utilize the talent that is around him. So one quick thing about Jared Goff, he has only benefited in his career from playing under McVay. And McVay had to change the whole scheme up to get something decent out of the kid. And he still couldn't get it done. So when they went to the Super Bowl that year, it was kind of like, eh, they did that in spite of who was playing the quarterback position. They didn't must up any points in that Super Bowl. <laughs> no, they didn't really do much of anything. And right. when, you look, when you look at Matt Stafford, look at what he's had to endure with Detroit. I mean, they've had a dumpster fire of coaches, offensive coordinators. I mean, he had to play for your boy Pencil. Like, that dude, that was the worst coach ever. And the thing about it is, I was so sad when they fired him. I'm not even going to call him by his name. Pencil in his ear. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> But no, man, I mean, Stafford, though, to be honest with you, I'm happy for him because he gets out of that god-awful organization. He gets to get out of Detroit and he gets to go play with the offensive genius in McVay. And the one thing for our listeners to think about when it comes to Sean McVay, he loves to pass out of those run-heavy sets, a lot of play and run actions. And the thing about it is that Stafford is the quarterback that can do that far better than Jared Goff ever was able to ever do for them. Oh, yeah, man. And speaking of Stafford, I mean, Stafford had, what, eight seasons of 4,000 or more yard passing. So he could get back to that 2011 season where he actually had a career year with 
throwing 41 touchdowns. He could go back to that with McVay because you're right. McVay really helped golf look really good. And, and, and even despite golf having some terrible uh, turnover issues, right? I think golf was ranked second in the NFL with 38 turnovers, turnovers over the past couple of years. So it's like, even with all that, things still work down to their favor to have some success. But you add Stafford to that uh, mix. Oh man, they can look even better. Like you were saying. What I'm looking sure. at is his fit and that scheme and that system. And yeah. that's kind of what I bring supreme over the stats. Um, oh, I agree. Yeah. So that's kind of what I look at there. But when mm-hmm. it comes to the Lions, they got now all types of draft picks. But again, they're now married to that Jared Goff contract. And as you mentioned, four years, $106 million left on that deal. Yikes. That's some bad debt right there. They better be banking on those draft picks. <laughs> I'll say that much. <laughs> Well, A-Dub, man, let's get to the nuts and bolts of the episode here. So we saw this week we kicked off the Senior Bowl was in full swing. What were some of your thoughts, man, looking at the week here? We got a lot of prospects that were down in Mobile, Alabama, trying to press some of those NFL decision makers. Yeah, man. As you know, no combine coming up. So um, this is their chance to really show what they can do. And I was impressed to hear all the great news and the great things about these guys. And it was good to also see some of them on the field during the game. Yeah, I know the thing that I always enjoy about these type of events, especially as you mentioned with the combine not being a thing this year due to the pandemic and COVID. Right. This the events like this always gives players from like not only the powerhouse programs, but the real small schools, they're all on an even playing field. Correct. And that's really good because they're all getting that coaching from pro coaches, right? So, you know, you have Matt Rule out there, you have Brian Flores out there and different NFL staff. So these players are getting some NFL coaching, but then they're also getting some time with the different representatives from each team. Right. That part of it's huge. So they get a chance to stand out to show what they're able to do against some top defenders or top uh, offensive guys, right? Because now you're on display. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a really good opportunity for these guys to to showcase themselves, to get some exposure and then also to get some of that talk time in with some of these representatives, the scouts, different general managers or whoever it may be. So I always really like these type of events. And it was awesome that the Senior Bowl was able to capitalize on the fact that there's going to be no combine. So they had a lot of the top seniors that basically showed up to Alabama this week. Absolutely. Man, it looks deep, too. Oh, yeah, it was definitely, definitely, definitely deep class of people. Um, the, the wide receiver group was pretty loaded. I was really impressed with what I saw from that group over the course of the week. Obviously, you know, a lot of the top players, you know, probably didn't play in the game per se, but they right. were down for the different practices. And so you had some really standouts there. Also, the one group that I wanted to kind of focus on real quick was the quarterback group. Kyle Trask, he was unable to participate because he had an ankle injury over the course of the week. But I thought that they were decent, but I didn't think that they were necessarily a great group. I know a lot of people, when they look at that quarterback group, they think of Mac Jones, you know, and and what he did at Alabama. And I thought that he had a pretty good week. But all in all, I was not impressed by what I saw to those quarterbacks this week at the uh, senior bowl practices. Oh, I can understand that piece of it. I, I would have liked to see Mac Jones play, though. I know he suffered an ankle injury, as you were saying. So it would have been nice to see him play, but he did. So you're right. There were some other quarterbacks who played, and I wasn't impressed with those guys. I know Notre Dame had a quarterback there, and Book didn't look good at all. So I was, like, disappointed just seeing that happen. And I also knew that Newman was also a quarterback there. He didn't look impressive at all. There were some guys, like you said, there was a lot of quarterbacks there, but a lot of them didn't look good. I would say with Ian Book, he pretty much showed you that he's going to have to work on his game a little bit more because there was just some things out there in the game yesterday that I didn't think that he did as well. But however, with Newman, 
during the course of the week and the drills that he was doing out there, I thought he looked the best out of all the quarterbacks for the most part. Mac Jones was pretty good at practice too. Right. The thing that I liked about Newman is he has pretty good velocity on his throws. He opted out of the 2020 season. So this senior bowl was going to be really important for him. Yes. I thought in those practices, I thought that he did pretty good with hitting his receivers in stride. I don't think he had the cleanest game out there, but I still thought he did enough over the course of the week, I think, to at least make a good impression. At least on the, the Tuesday practice I saw with him, mm-hmm. he, he looked pretty solid there. Okay. But I was definitely saying the game, he looked a little rusty for sure. And especially on accuracy throwing, um, he looked tough in that. And also in the pocket, when it when it got a lot of pressure on him, he didn't look great in that area either. So, Yeah, that's to be expected, though, when you set out a year. But I, I agree yep. with you in the sense that during that game, yeah, he left a lot to be desired. And I'm sure that's some stuff that he's going to have to clean up going forward. But as far as just like arm talent and what you need at the quarterback position, he was a quarterback that I kind of like had circled on my list of somebody that I said, you know what? I think, you know, in a in a day two or day three in the NFL draft, he could be someone uh, that could be a pretty good target for a team that's looking for a developmental quarterback. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I, I looked at Sam Ellinger. I, I looked at him and see what he was able to do. He had a good game. Overall, I think throughout the uh, week, he was OK, he was solid. So he didn't look bad. But I think with him, just the fact that, of course, Nationals played three quarterbacks, you didn't see a lot from him because of, again, they have to share the responsibility. Right, exactly. But during the course of the week, there were a number of players that basically I saw that were highlighted as having really good weeks of practice. One guy that really caught my eye, there was a offensive guard center, Quinn um, Meredith. I think that's how his name is pronounced. Now, I watched a lot of those practices that they had that they were playing on uh, the NFL Network. What I noticed from this kid is that he was basically taking reps at guard and at center, and he was finishing his blocks, and he was just nasty at the point of attack. In the third practice, so day three of the practice, he actually broke a bone in his hand, but but he played through the injury, and he actually finished the practice. And apparently... He wanted to play in the game, and he was lobbying with Flores on the sideline for him to play in the game. And I looked at that, and I was like, damn, that kid right there, he improved this draft stock, which is not only the way he practiced, but just showing those teams that, look, I want to play. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, man, Quinn, what they call him, Quinn, Miners. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly, but I know you were trying to pronounce it great as well. But the Wisconsin Whitewater, that guard, like you said, man, it's strong. They were showing some of his highlights as far as on YouTube videos and things of nature, this guy was picking up all kinds of things, walking with it. And I was like, this kid is really strong. And then, like you were saying, he was actually showing um, a lot of good foot movement, a lot of control on these rushers in practice, and they weren't getting by him. He pretty much showed that, hey, I can take on a lot of these big-name schools, defensive linemen who coming at me or these rushers coming hard at me that can handle these guys. So you're right, his stock may have gone up. I would have liked to see him in the game, though, but you're right, the injury was what hurt him. Yeah, and the thing about it was, I think Flores was just trying to protect the player from from the the competitor part of him and say, "Look, man, you got a long career. You need to get ready for the draft. Heal up, and uh, I think you did enough this week to to earn your place in the NFL." Right. Um, absolutely. Richie Grant. Yep. He, he was a safety that they also highlighted as having um, a really solid week. Yes. And there was one practice in particular that he had two interceptions, and I like this kid because. He, to me, was like the star of the week because he showed versatility. And I just think that, man, this is going to be a player, I think, for a lot of people to watch going forward. Oh, yeah, man. I like safety Richie Grant. Uh, UCF, right? UCF. 
that kid, like you said, has the versatility. I think he picked Newman off twice um, in practice. Like you said, the versatility to be in the slot or in the deep, that's a key factor. As a matter of fact, that's a guy I look to see on our team, really, uh, who can do both, right? And we talk about uh, a lot of our guys like, having uh, Bojack on the team, right? And Bojack doing well with another guy that you mentioned before on our podcast about being able to be great with another decent safety. And I'll tell you, a guy like Richie Grant and Bojack, man, that tandem looked pretty exciting if we had that on our team. Yeah, I mean, it just all kind of depends on what the strategy is. If the Bears are looking to go after a veteran free agent versus maybe a development guy, because right. one of the things that really upset me with the team last year was that we passed up on Winfield Jr. and Chin in the draft in the second round. And I thought that that would have been an opportunity to snag either one of those guys, and they both went on to have really solid rookie seasons. So, I mean, Grant is definitely someone that, you know, if he's there, I mean, he he showed you this week that he can ball and he's ready to play at this next level. Absolutely. Another guy that was on my radar that I was looking forward to seeing was Dylan Radon's offensive tackle for um, North Dakota State. I know he played one game this season, but he pretty much showed that he's a good player, man, on the offensive side of it. Offensive tackle, he has athleticism, range, foot quickness, and run block temperament. I think his only opportunity I saw that he had, really, that people talk about was about him finishing blocks. But overall, man, he looked as sharp. The thing about with him is the Bears actually met with him. And so that's somebody that is probably on the radar potentially as a first round target. I do agree. I think for me, the thing that I like about Dylan is he's powerful, but dude's a a fucking monster at the point of attack. My thing is with a guy like that, he just basically showed you that (laughs) he pretty much is ready because he was the talk of the entire week of practices. So he he was pretty dominant out there. Yes, I like him, man. And I hope we can get him. You know what? We'll see what happens. Um, right, exactly. <laughs> see what happens. But you, you can never have a guy enough na- – because the thing about it is when you look at this Bears offensive line, I think most Bears fans are confident with what we have on the interior of the line. But the issue that we have with a lot of us is we feel that with our tackles, that's the area where we need to get stronger. Right. So also, we need to add more nasty and guys that finish their blocks. So we see that Mustafer was one of those guys that basically brought a little bit of that edge and brought a little bit of that finishing his blocks. But the one thing that I like about Dylan Redunds is the fact that he's nasty, finishes his blocks, and we need more of that on this team. Because, I mean, we're the Bears. I mean, not to be meathead about it, but we need to get back to having a, a, a offensive line that's pushing people off the line of a scrimmage, and we're establishing that, that line. On fourth and one, we should be able to get that one yard. We should be able to, yep. I thought this week was probably one of the more standout groups to me, and there's a lot of talent that could be had there. And I think if uh, Ryan Pace and Nagy are really, really looking to improve this ball club, that the first round is where they target one of these offensive line uh, prospects. I agree with you, man, because I'm telling you right now, David Montgomery can have a bigger impact on the season with one of these guys here on our team who I think can actually help our team out right now. Like I said, Dylan can help us out right now. Um, so you're right. If we can get somebody in that first round on that office for the office line, if that's what the direction we want to go into, that'd be great. Another guy that, that was really impressive over the course of the week in practice, and I heard so much about it even when I started firing up some of those practices, is Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. This guy over the course of the, of the week showed tremendous ability to get open. He showed really good release moves getting off the line of scrimmage. And he's another guy that I really think did a lot to improve his draft stock. I mean, you know, because you got to think about it, a guy coming like that from that type of a program, 
Mm-hmm. These type of games are the games where these guys get themselves some notoriety and get themselves some recognition. So I thought he did a really good job, especially in those one-on-one drills, because those are some drills that I really enjoyed about the senior bowl practices. Right. When they allowed those wide receivers and DBs to go head up with each other. And yeah. those wide receivers were giving work to those DBs. They were. <laughs> hey, man, you're right. Those wide receivers really did stand out. And there was another guy that stood out to me as well that they talked a lot about, in addition to him, was uh, Demetric Felton. Demetri for the UCLA play running back and wide receiver. But that kid showed a lot of versatility at playing wide receiver as well. So got nice speed. I know he talked about his max speed on that first day. Again, his versatility, all those different things that it takes to be a wide receiver. And this guy can run some pretty decent routes as well. So I like him too, just along with the other guy you mentioned as well. Yeah, I think Felton, he showed up to me a little bit more in the game than he did in practice. But Eskridge, that kid right there, man, he, he showed a lot over the course of the week. But yeah, Felton, he definitely showed up in the game very well. One other guy that I wanted to focus on on from the practice week before we get into thoughts on the game itself, I really liked what I saw out of Kate Johnson. He's a receiver out of South Dakota State. Yeah. What I liked about him in the sense is all week long, the guy played with toughness. He's only a 5'10 receiver, but he's got some decent speed and he didn't play this year. And, and my thing was, a guy like that, all he knew he had to do this week was to go out there and ball because he had to get his name on the map again. Right. And I think, man, he did everything that he could have done this week to not only show scouts that he could play in this league, but I think that he might be a solid day two draft acquisition. And the thing about it is that I think he's going to be very productive in the slot. He seemed to be able to make tough catches, and yeah. I was really impressed by what I saw from him. There's another guy who I thought on the defensive side of it that stood out as well from a cornerback standpoint, and that was Keith Taylor. I think you may have heard a couple of things about him as well. Yeah, his, I saw uh, him. Yeah, his height. The thing is, he, you get confused by his height. You think he can be that versatile because he's, he's kind of a tall guy. But the man, the guy's pretty quick. He can hold his own one-on-one. And yeah, he showed a lot of talent out there at, at the cornerback side of it. So, And he can get a little physical too. So I like what I saw from him. Yeah, I think on defense from practice, I like what I saw out of the safety from Florida State. Really, really big kid, and uh, yeah. he looked real comfortable out there. I know you, we talked about Grant earlier, yeah. but I think it's Hams, Hamsa uh, Nasruddin. I think that's how you pronounce his last name, but from Florida State. Mm-hmm. The thing that I liked about him is he showed that he could not only just play you know, single high, right, which is kind of right. like that center field position, but I also think he showed you over the course of the week, especially in those practices, that he could come down and play in the box as well. So similar to the way that Grant was being utilized, you saw the same thing from that kid from Florida State. So I saw so much talent out there this over the course of the week, and man. I was really, really excited to see that because I said, you know what, man? There's going to be so many options for our Bears to upgrade this team. Yes, yes. And it's strange because you're right. You were out looking at probably three probably key areas. I was looking at for our Bears. I was looking at, of course, the quarterback. <laughs> you're looking at the uh, offensive line, right? And you're probably looking at uh, maybe uh, wide receiver or secondary, right? That probably would help us out. But you're right, man. I saw also saw, even with me saying that, I couldn't ignore the talent that I saw from the defensive line that were out there as well. Even over the, um, again, the weekend with guys like Odigazua uh, from UCLA, the edge rusher, who I thought was coming in as pretty good. The guy, Camp Sample, from a top DL coming in for Tulane. So there's a couple guys that I saw from a defensive line standpoint who stood out. Although I know we're solid in that area, but again, there were some guys that just stood out over the week in practice. Yeah, no, I can see that. So what exactly did you like from the kid from UCLA that you saw? 
the kid from UCLA, I thought he showed that, you know, he can work the edge pretty good. He can pressure. He can get that quick on his feet. He's got some nice speed. Get there to the rushers. I, I mean, he can actually be a little versatile. I mean, the guy is pretty strong. And again, got some nice little moves to get to the quarterback. So I like what I saw from him. Okay, that's fair. One guy over the course of the week that really kind of caught my eye a little bit was uh, it was an edge rusher from the University of Miami, uh, Quincy Roche. And so kind of maybe not the same guy, not the same type of ability of the guy that you mentioned from UCLA, mm-hmm. um, oh, so, who's, yeah. you know, because he's basically more of an interior guy. But right. I would say for this guy from Miami, he had really good speed off of the step and he turned the corner mm-hmm. really well. And that's going to be something, as most fans know, any edge rusher, they have to be able to get off the ball and they have to be able to turn. And right. that's going to be very hard for most offensive linemen to be able to stop if that kid could do both of those things very well. And one thing going into the senior bowl, Alex Leatherwood, who is a first round talent from um, Alabama, this kid Roche made him look bad in a lot of one-on-one drills out there this week. And I, when I was watching, I think it was the day two practice. When I saw two, that, okay. I said, damn, this kid, he kind of impressed me a little bit. And he splashed a little bit in the game as well. So to your point, the offensive line talent to me, I thought was superior, but mm-hmm. I think that the defensive line talent was really good. It's just, it didn't stand out as much. I think this week, just because of how strong the offensive line talent is, but there was a lot of talent on uh, both sides <laughs> over yeah. the course of this weekend in this game. It was really great. Absolutely, man. I'll, I'll say one thing. We got a treat o- over the week with these guys. Absolutely, man. Well, going into the, the game itself, it was kind of interesting looking at the format of the way that they set everything up. So what they did was that each quarter, it operated like a half. And so basically what they did to do that is it gave each team a chance to practice two-minute situations as the time kind of winded down and they had two timeouts per quarter. So I thought that was good to give quarterbacks and those offenses time to kind of run in those type of situations and also the defense to basically have to defend in those situations. So I thought that was good. But the one thing that I thought was kind of interesting on offense was their formations. They had to be balanced. You couldn't do any motion and you couldn't shift. Right. And, and then on defense, they were limited to playing cover one, two, or three. So they couldn't stun on the defensive line and there were no blitzes. Right. And so I right. think they were trying to do that just to make sure that everybody was getting a chance to kind of get their plays and, and kind of get through the offense and, and kind of work that way. But what did, what were your kind of takeaways from the game itself? I know, audience, we gave you guys a lot of players that we kind of thought stood out over the course of the week, but I want to, at least during this discussion, focus on the game itself and kind of give you guys some deep analysis on what we saw. Oh, man, the game itself, you're right. The game allowed everyone to stand out to see who can hold their own ground. That's what's about. Individual, showing what they can do, competitive standpoint, who can make plays and who can do whatever, right? Who, who got the skills, the talent, you're able to showcase that. What I like from that game really is uh, in that first half, it seems to be more of a defensive game. You saw a lot of the uh, DBs getting after these wide receivers, uh, at least trying to. You saw um, a lot of the defensive linemen trying to get after the quarterback. You really seen a big standout in that first half from who actually has um, good talent on the defensive side. of. Despite what all happened during the, uh, the week of practices, these guys felt they had to make a statement in this game here. Yeah, I think for me, um, when I looked at this whole thing, I said, okay, all week, you know, we saw a lot of the one-on-one battles. You know, we saw a lot of the guys stand out. And I said, okay, well, cool. Let's see what happens when uh, when the game fires up. Right. And 
one thing that I saw when I like watched the game was I watched it twice because I wanted okay. to just make sure that I basically got everything. And one person that just kept like from the week of practices and even from the game that just kept popping in my head was just like, man, I like this kid. I like what I'm seeing from him. Is the running back from North Carolina, uh, Michael Carter? Yes. Now, for me with that guy, it was just the effort that he put out there, the fact that he broke tackles, not only showing speed, but also showing, dude, he has a determination that he wouldn't go down. There was that one run and play where he basically moved the pile and scored a touchdown. And I'm like, the kid is 5'7", 200 pounds. And he had a really solid career in college. But the thing about it is, for me, he was a person during the week that impressed all week long. And then he came out there and backed it up in the game. So speed, power, elusiveness, and just showing the ability to run in space. I really liked what I saw from him. And I also, you know, he's another guy that the Bears met with. But, dude, he just showed you that he has a lot of value. And that just speaks to what we were saying earlier about the type of talent that basically was out there all week long on this on this senior bowl because there was a lot of players that really impressed me, and he was one of them. Oh, yeah, I can see why, man. Uh, like you said, Michael Carter, he actually uh, was the one the individual who led to them getting a touchdown on that first drive. I think he the one set it up with that big rushing play, like you said, and then got to the outside and jumped out there on the field over the tables and things of that nature. It looked good on camera for sure. But, yeah, that guy, man, has a loads of talent. Yeah, his speed, ability, like you said, to break tackles, that's awesome. But you're right, looking forward to seeing what, who drafts him next, who gets after him. But another guy who stood out to me who didn't have a good practice over the week was um, Patrick Jones. I know he was getting murdered. Like, his stock came in really high. But then during the practice, he didn't look so well. But I will say this here, during the game, he did make an impact uh, getting there. I think he got a sack also on Newman. But he started to put a lot of pressure, apply a lot of pressure on the quarterback during that game. So I will say for a guy like him who came in high, they had their high on, but didn't have a great practice, turned out to be, hey, during the game, that, hey, I'm still here. You know, I understand things didn't go too well in the practice, but I, I, I still have some value here. So it's good to see that from him. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that in the sense that, yeah, he had tough practices, but, you know, in the game, he he made plays. And so at the end of the day, you know, you know some guys are going to always be the best practice players. Well, in right. this situation where you're playing for your NFL career, you want to see guys showing up. But the thing about it is, that at least during this game, he at least put some information out there for teams to be able to have and see that he can actually perform when the lights go on. Right, right, absolutely. The receivers for me, and, and that's just still a group that I've really just really liked a lot. Mm-hmm. There were two guys in this game that just kind of stood out to me. Uh, the first one was Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville. Okay. He was targeted a ton in the first half, and he showed really good ability to separate. And yep. there were a lot of receivers that didn't plan the game. And so they practiced but didn't plan the game itself. So guys like uh, Des Fitzpatrick and then Cornell Powell from Clemson. Mm-hmm. These guys were targeted so much that it gave them the opportunity to kind of get some exposure with some of these NFL teams. And I thought that they both capitalized on their opportunities. And the one thing, too, is Des uh, Fitzpatrick made a really good contested catch. And he did the little tiptoe move on the sideline in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Yeah, yeah. That, to me, I was like, I really like that. But that's what it's all about with games and, and, and opportunities like that in these events. Taking advantage of an opportunity when it comes your way. because. You never know, you know, what could happen. And they use they utilize the, the the best of that by getting all those snaps and actually doing something with those snaps in the ballgame. Yeah. Clemson had a couple of receivers out there. And um, they also had, um, 
another wide receiver, uh, Amari Rogers out there who uh, looked decent. You know, he looked decent in the game too. Uh, he had some good catches, ran some very good routes, showed the ability to get open. And I, I like his, like I said, I like the way he runs routes, you know, because a guy like him, man, can be explosive at times. So it was good to see him out there and to see what he's able to do for the team. So he did catch a t- touchdown out there too. Yeah, as a Notre Dame fan, I mean, I'm very aware of Amari Rodgers. If he can't, he can play. And right. I think, like you said, he, he showed that in the game. The thing that impressed me with the game is not only did he score the touchdown, but he absorbed contact. He's a smaller guy. Yeah. He got hit really hard on that play, but also he had a two-point conversion, and he absorbed another big hit. And I'm right. like, man, this kid – you know, just showed that toughness. And I'm like, man, that's something at the next level that you want to see, especially on a slot receiver. Exactly. And I think he'll be a decent slot receiver, a solid one for sure, on the pro level if you get opportunity. I, I definitely agree with that. In this ball game, though, I, like I said, I just wasn't that impressed by what I saw from the quarterbacks. But Kellen Mond, I think he, to me, the kid from Texas A&M, he showed off some athleticism. And I thought that that was going to be really, really important for him in his ball game to just kind of catch the eye of some of these scouts and, and things like that. But he was able to get out of the pocket when the pressure came in and when the, everything kind of broke down. And the biggest key I saw from him was that he turned nothing into something, which that's stuff that you need in, in the quarterback position. You know how it is. You know, we have a, a very elite pass rushers in the NFL. And so quarterbacks need to have that ability to be able to feel pressure, be able to step up in the pocket and make plays. And so he even scored a touchdown on a quarterback keeper. Uh, so I thought he did pretty good. He led two touchdown drives in the third quarter. So he was pretty decent. Yeah, he was decent. You're right. And um, I thought a lot went into his favor because he got probably the most minutes of all the quarterbacks who played. As I know, the national team, they put out their three quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. uh, guys like Sam couldn't do what he wanted to do. Ian had to come in, do what he had to do. And Felipe Franks, you know, got some time as well. But I like the one who stood out the most for me as far as quarterback goes. I will say Felipe Franks because when he came in, he really showed that, hey, they got down um, on points in that third quarter and he was able to help drive and bring them back. So I was like, oh, Felipe, you know, can can, can take the pressure. He can stand it. So uh, he can take being down and want to make the comeback. And it's a guy who didn't lose any, um, didn't fold under pressure. So I like what I saw from him. Yeah, I, I would say for him, he might be a guy that maybe a team may take a chance on as an undrafted free agent. But yeah, he had a pretty uneven college career. But yeah, I, I I did see some some flash plays out of him. So no, I definitely can see that. But all around, like when I look at the, that quarterback position, you're going to probably be talking about Mac Jones. Uh, you're going to be probably talking about Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, and you're going to be talking yep. about Jamie Newman. Yep, I, I agree. I think those are going to be kind of like the guys when we look at this draft. And to be honest with you, Mac Jones, I think we saw a lot of his deficiencies show up this week. While he can be very elite as far as accuracy and stuff like that, we saw as Alabama, you know, basically ran through the, the damn season this year. But right. <laughs> there are still some things with his game that I saw that he's going to have to really improve upon. And maybe at the pro level, I'm not sure how they would translate. But I just saw some things with his game, especially in the first practice where he kind of was inconsistent, Mm -hmm. didn't look like he had any uh, sort of uh, chemistry with the receivers. And as the week went on, he definitely improved. But I just saw that there were some things there that showed up and it just kind of concerned me a little bit with his game. And I know that a lot of people say that he's like a fringe first round draft pick type of talent. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. But that's not somebody that I want to see the Bears target in the first round. Yeah, the thing is about Mac Jones, I know one of the things I heard a scout talk about the fact that um, his arm strength 
and he doesn't appear to be one of those with a rifle, right? So um, you might wonder about that, right? Going to deep door on the deep ball, would that be of a concern regarding him? So again, when you got loads of talent, you play a lot of loads of talent, it's easy to make good throws with loads of talent on the wide receiver core. But when you don't have that, right, on a pro level, to where, you know, you got to make those big plays, are you able to make them with accuracy? And you're right with that standpoint, um, Perez, that's going to be a big point of, of emphasis or looking at when it comes down to him. Yeah, exactly. The last player that I wanted to just kind of t- talk about that I really liked, and this is just mostly just me because I I love the fullback, and I think the fullback just <laughs> has been basically nobody even uses them anymore. But right. the kid from Michigan, Ben Watts, Ben Mason, I think his name was. Yeah, that that dude put that linebacker from South Alabama on his ass, <laughs> dude. Right. They, they met they met in the hole, and I'm like, boy, he blew him up. And that, when, when I saw that, I was like, "Woo, that is old school football right there, boy!" <laughs> running yeah, out of that man, line. <laughs> for real, man. He got, hey, he got some power too. Running out of that too, man. He run hard and run strong too. Uh, yeah, man. You, you the, those guys are still valuable in the game. Well, they have value. I just think that because of the way that the NFL game has kind of gone, you don't have a lot of teams that even utilize them. But man, when a guy like that, I hope he gets a shot. You know, because, yeah, like, yeah he, he showed you right there, man. That, that kid, he's got some talent. I, I liked what I saw from him. And all week during practice, he was doing that. So, you know, he was definitely uh, making a name for himself out there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, all right. So we've kind of, like, touched on some of the players that we that we thought stood out from the course of the week. We kind of focused in on some of the, the players that we liked from the game itself. What did you think, though, of the game and this kind of uh, the way – that everything kind of ran over the course of the week at the Senior Bowl? Man, I thought the, oh, the course of how everything ran over the over the weekend, I thought they did a good job at allowing players to really show, again, their, their talent, man. So I think that's huge, right? People don't always stand out in situations like that, but they allowed it in the game as well and also doing it through practice. And I like the fact that they were giving out awards to guys who stood out the most or who made the most impact during the time frame, who was the best in doing the practice defensive line and who's the best offensive line. So I thought with them doing that made it more valuable when it comes down to how, what people think of you as a player. So to me, that stood out as well, along with the game itself, because now you really can see who's the, who's the player to watch, who's the player that's really one is really looking at, and who's the one that everyone thinks has the most impact. Yeah, I think for me, I, and I, can, I definitely can uh, see where you're coming from with that. I think for me, I was impressed with not only the fact that they were able to get this event off, but the way that they yeah. took precautions with COVID. Sure. Yeah. They they blocked off a lot of the different access points. So basically, there were so many different checks and balances they had to ensure that the players were safe. But yeah. I also thought the practices. I thought that Matt Rule kept it very upbeat and high energy with his squad. Sure. And I think someone on his staff basically was kind of like, "Hey, you know, do you think these guys can handle like this pace and this speed?" And Matt Rule kind of, from what I saw, Matt Rule was like. What do you think? Like, yeah, they're going to have to be prepared for this at the next level. And I really like the fact of his approach out there of like, look, I need you guys flying around. I need you guys to be playing with tempo. And I think that he brought that type of energy out there to the practices. So I like that. I thought yep. the game, I thought the game was pretty good. There were times of it from a standpoint of because I was watching it more to analyze, I wasn't really looking to be entertained because it wasn't necessarily an entertaining game. But right. I saw some really good things that I saw certain guys do that I had to rewind. And I said, wow, that was good. You know, or sometimes I saw something and I'm like, ooh, that that 
player probably didn't do himself any favors. But right. Um, <laughs> but no, all in all, I thought that they put on a really good product, and the Senior Bowl really, really capitalized off the fact that there won't be a combine because now they had all those top players that came yep. in. And they were the talk of the entire, basically for weeks, that's all people have been talking about is the Reese Senior Bowl. I so. agree. Yeah, man, that's a good point you're making. One point I want to highlight that you made, Prez, was around the safety. You're right. These guys had to take multiple tests, man, to make sure everyone was COVID-free, you know? And um, I, I like that part of it as well, to make sure everyone was safe. And um, that's always big during this time frame of the safety of our people who's playing. And I thought they did a great job of handling that. So I just want to highlight what you shared on that part of it already. So let's talk... Chicago Bears, and let's talk about Senior Bowl. So, as I mentioned earlier in this segment, the Bears met with Tylan Wallace, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State, who also showed out during the week. We also saw that they met with Michael Carter, the running back that I highlighted um, yes. for somebody that I'd like for in the game from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then Dylan Randunce that you brought up earlier in the segment from North Dakota State, who was the talk of the Senior Bowl. So, also, one thing about Dylan that we didn't bring up earlier was the fact that there were reports from scouts that he didn't lose a one-on-one matchup the entire week, which I think is fucking ridiculous. That ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, this guy's a winner. <laughs> Man, he's a winner. He's a monster. Man, like that, any team that's able to luckily get him, they're going to they're gonna be all right because I, I really like what I see from him. Me too. So, you mentioned earlier in the show some of the needs that the Bears have coming into the draft. And I definitely agreed with, obviously, quarterback is a need that we have. I'm not necessarily sure where we're going to basically handle that within the draft itself. Right. Uh, But I think, for me, the bigger needs that I see with this team come with the offensive line, safety, and at linebacker. Okay. One of my draft targets that I really hope that the Bears do go after, and I want to kind of get your thoughts on a player or two, but the kid that I brought up earlier from Florida State to safety, He's someone that I really think in the second round that Ryan Pace, if he's there, he needs to snatch this guy off the fucking board. So for the last two seasons, the Bears have gone the veteran route at safety alongside Mm -hmm. Eddie Jackson. So they've had ha-ha the one year, and then obviously last season, Tyshawn Gibson. Right. I mentioned last year that we passed on Winfield Jr. and Chin in the draft. I thought those were mistakes, and they were. This year, we got to go after this kid if he's available. Hamza Nasruddin, that kid has an impressive athletic ability. And I really thought he was impressive all week long. And that type of versatility, especially when you put him with a guy like Eddie Jackson, that they could play off of each other, they can maybe even interchange positions. That makes him, to me, a very attractive option for the Bears. And I think that's somebody that we should definitely target. And which guy you're referring to again? The safety from Florida State, Hamza Nasruddin. Okay, got it. If we can't get him, I'm okay with us getting Richie Grant. <laughs> we can get him too. One of the one of the two, right? We can't get the other guy. We can go Richie Grant. I like him. Like I said, I like his versatility as well as a safety. Again, as I mentioned earlier about the slot or, or him playing playing the slot or deep. Either way it go, I could definitely love his talent, his um, ability to show that versatility. So we can get him or the other guy you mentioned. I'm fine with it. I can roll with that. But we definitely need some help in that position. Yeah, I think Richie Grant did himself a big favor because I thought. Leading into the week, he was probably projected as a, a round three, round four guy. Yeah. And he might have actually played himself into the second round. But I would just say you can't go wrong with either of those guys. But right. from what I saw from the kid from Florida State, he kind of yes. is the one that I 
kind of lean on to more so uh, mm-hmm. between the two of those guys. Yep. Just because I think that he might be able to play better with uh, Eddie Jackson. Right but like away. Said, but like you said, either option, I think uh, I think we'll be good to go. Yes, sir. Another guy that really stood out to me, and this is somebody that I didn't hear a lot of people talk about. So when I was watching some of the practices this week, Spencer Brown, kid from Northern Iowa, mm-hmm. he's a fucking monster too. Six foot eight, he measured out uh, at, at the um, at the practice. That's what they say, yeah, yep. And I really, really liked what I saw from him in some of those practices. And as I mentioned earlier in the segment, I just don't feel very confident in our tackles. We got a lot of money invested in Leno and Massey. Mm-hmm. Massey will probably more than likely be a cap casualty. Leno will probably be back for one more year just because, I mean, he's on, to be honest, he's not on the, the biggest contract. If you think about left tackle contracts that are out there, his contract is kind of like in the decent size for money. So my thing is mm-hmm. he may even come back for a year. But my point with Spencer Brown, I think he could be groomed into an eventual right tackle starter. Sure. And so he's someone that I really like. Good athleticism for that size. But Again, a common denominator you're going to hear with me with guys that I target for the offensive line. I want somebody that's going to come in here and have a nasty-ass disposition. I right. want you somebody that's going to basically want to destroy the person that's basically on the other side of the ball. And he showed a little bit of that in practice this week. Sure. And I think, for me, he could be mm-hmm. groomed. So even like next season, if we get a veteran guy for one year at right tackle – and then mm-hmm. you draft a guy like this and basically develop him with Juan Castillo. I think this kid could be groomed and would be a really good day two selection for the Bears. Could be. Could be. And that could be the option on the table for us as well. I know we mentioned this one guy earlier, though, man, from Wisconsin, Whitewater, Quinn. But definitely, we can get him, man. <laughs> that guy definitely have a lot of power. And, and um, I can see um, on that offensive line, a guy like him on the offensive line, man, doing some damage for us. So I would love to see if we can get him, too. That would be great. So again, like you said, that the help we need on offensive line is critical. And I think it's going to be critical for the quarterback and also critical for our running back to have some guys on that line who can produce right away. And that's what I'm looking at as well. Guys who probably can come on this team and produce right away. Well, it's kind of, you know, it's tough to say that because with any rookie, it's, it's not rare. I mean, it's not often that you'll see these guys come in and produce right away. That's but, true too. But I think... With a guy like Quinn that you were bringing up, he came into the week with not really high draft stock. Right. But now, after what he showed up there on tape, oh, my goodness, man. He definitely did himself a lot of favors with his stock, and I think he could definitely be maybe a mid-round option for this team. So you never know. You never, never know. know. Yeah, may slip down the cracks, and it may slip down to us, and we probably be able to get him. And the thing is, we probably got a chance to really see him a little bit better during these three days than we probably have, like you said, a whole year. And I think they say he was from a Division three school. So yeah. how how do you see guys from Division three schools really come out and show this kind of a uh, you know uh, impact? So we'll see. Like you said, we'll see what happens. Well, he took advantage of his opportunity. So and like I said, I still stand by the fact that I love that this kid wanted to play in the game, and he, even though he had that broken boat in his hand. So again. I wouldn't even be mad if it were him or the other kid that I highlighted. I just want somebody to come to this offensive line that's going to bring some nasty. But the one thing, too, to think about with a kid like Quinn Mercers, we're pretty much decent on the interior line. So I don't necessarily know where he would play on our right. on our, on our our interior because we're pretty solidified there. But, you know, we'll see what happens. You never know. Yeah. And the other guy I saw from Gremlin that I heard a lot about was uh, David Moore, right? Yep. From Gremlin. Yep. So, I would like to see uh, 
his value, right? How how he continued his value has gone up, I would say, for what I've seen, what I've heard about him. And he's a guy that's done pretty good on the offensive line as well. So had a good practice. They read a lot about him and what his ability were and stopping, you know, um, again, creating, stopping those pass rushers and and then uh, getting some good blocks. And I would like to see what he's able to continue to do and, and see if he can thrive. And we might be a team that he can probably come to. Yeah, and that's a good call out because I definitely noticed him on the day two practice. I thought that he definitely stood out as somebody that kind of made a name for himself, especially uh, coming from Grambling, which isn't a football powerhouse per se. Right. But he also was another person that took advantage of his reps this week. So, yeah, that's definitely somebody that I thought did very well. Now, now I don't see him as a target for the Bears. He's just somebody to me that I thought stepped it up. And I think that he probably earned himself an NFL uh whether it's undrafted situation, I think he earned himself a shot. A shot, uh, yep. To, to play, yep. Absolutely, he earned himself a shot. There we go. <laughs> yep. The the last thing that I wanted to to kind of mention here on players that I would like the Bears to maybe look at, we've talked about on the show inside linebacker being an a issue of depth. So after mm-hmm. Trevathan and after Roquan, who do we really have? And so when – Danny Trevathan and Roquan both suffered injuries in 2019. Well, at least in that season, you had quality depth behind those guys that were able to step up. In 2020, you saw that, man, the cupboard was bare behind Roquan and Trevathan. So when Roquan got hurt, it was just a dumpster fire to try to basically replace that type of production. Right. So one player that I was really impressed with for not only the game, but during the practice week was Justin Hilliard for Ohio State. Yes. And... What I liked about him was the fact that on passing downs, his speed, and that's an area where our linebacker, not Roquan, but with Danny Trevathan sometimes on passing downs, it's an area that he struggles. So maybe having a guy like that that maybe could come in on passing downs to use that speed and his ability to go sideline to sideline, I really like that guy. And I think that he could be really good, maybe a later round draft pick. Because you know Ryan Pace is really good in those fourth or fifth rounds in the draft. And I think that that kid will probably maybe land somewhere in that area. Yeah, that's a good point you make about him, man. And I can see him as being a target for us. Uh, another guy who I thought could be a target as well, Prez, uh, that I didn't hear a lot about until really the game itself. And then the guy starts on improvement through the, out the, uh, to some of the, um, throughout the practices was KJ Britt. I thought a guy like him showed a lot of versatility from Auburn. He showed a lot of speed. He's all over the field, really, in, the, in that bowl game. And I thought a guy like him could probably do some damage for us. So I know we do have a lot. We respect from um, Roquan Smith and having another guy who's that versatile, can do a lot of things and can actually hit those gaps very well would be very useful for us. Yeah, he was definitely somebody that I think, I think it was one of the practices that I saw. I thought he did pretty, pretty good. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. The thing about it is on this episode, audience, we just wanted to make sure that we gave you guys, just from our standpoint, highlights from the week of practice and then also from the games itself. Um, obviously, you know, you probably had a lot of insights from different people that probably were there and got to see some of that stuff firsthand, but you know, this is also just our insights as being fans and kind of some of the things that, that we saw. So for me, it was just firsthand, like just going through all the practice breakdowns and obviously Mm -hmm. just going through and looking at the, um, looking at the game itself, but then also taking a critical look at our roster. So as A-Dub and I last week did, we did the breakdown on who we thought was going to come back. And then from there, that's kind of how I evaluated what I saw this week, which is the prism of just thinking about the players that may not come back to the Bears in 2021 and then looking for those potential replacements here in this senior bowl crop of talent. Absolutely. We're on the same page with that, brother. 
All right, man. Well, before we get out of here, man, I wanted to give a special thank you to one of our listeners, uh, Michael Nels. Michael, man, has been following this podcast since the very beginning. He has definitely been active on Twitter with giving us, you know, kudos and giving us shout outs for our various episodes. And I'm telling you, listeners and supporters like that guy is how this podcast has grown. And we really appreciate you. And Michael actually sent, uh, he actually mailed us a letter, you know, basically, and I'm not going to give the details of the letter to everyone, but just the fact that the letter was so heartfelt, it, it spoke about his, how he's been a Bears fan and how he bleeds this team and how he loves the passion that we bring to this show. And he appreciates the chemistry that A-Dub and I bring uh, on the show. So, Michael, I appreciate you. A-Dub, I'm sure you do as well. But, man, it's listeners like this that just make what we do uh, worthwhile. Yes, sir. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. The last thing I wanted to touch on, and for uh, thank you for the 35 people that have reached out from our last episode, but we're doing a free Super Bowl squares pool. So we got 65 squares left. This is a free pool that we're doing for our listeners and obviously Twitter followers. So definitely, if you're interested, uh, feel free to DM us on Twitter at the Bear Spot. And what we're doing with this Super Bowl pool is they're going to be each quarter, we're going to be giving out signed memorabilia for the Chicago Bears. So 65 spots left, first come, first serve. Uh, we would like our listeners to get in on this first before we turn this over to Twitter followers. So again, Free Super Bowl squares pool, 65 squares left. Right, absolutely. Get on in. Jump on in. <laughs> That's right. Well, man, A-Dub, good episode, good insights, man, and we'll see what the Bears do. We'll do a lot more of these type of uh, shows uh, over the course of the offseason. We got a long time build up leading up to the draft, so we'll definitely be doing these shows and we'll definitely highlight even more prospects for you guys to keep an eye on. Absolutely. All right, man, with that being said, good-ass episode, and we are out. Peace. <laughs> A-Dub, going to sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Very Centrist Podcast. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for your continued support of this podcast. Bear Nation, come down with us. Peace.